1: I thought it was fascinating that you are I think, the first Arab-American comedian to perform for the troops who were stationed in the Middle East. So you're going over there and being like, hey, guys. <laughs>
2: you know? I was a refugee still. I didn't even have my U.S. citizenship. I could have just disappeared in the middle of the night. Nobody would have cared. It's just like, I, straight, I didn't have anything, any documentation. I, like, snuck into Kuwait to get in to go to Iraq to do it, and it was the first time that I went back. Because I felt like I had to reconcile a lot in my heart about, like, how fast we left and I just thought how incredible it would be to go perform there, and, and it was uh, not necessarily it was just like oh I want to go just perform for the troops. It was more so like if I could perform in front of them and be myself and be really my authentic self, um, then I could perform anywhere, and then I have no uh, no reservations about about doing shows or, or being me. You know, imagine imagine a scenario yeah. where you're afraid to be yourself. That's how depressing is that, or where a career coming up, it's like, oh, you're Palestinian, Muslim, oh, Arab, oh, 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 oh. Why don't you just go by Tony and just be Italian? Like, what are you talking about? I mean, it really wore on me for some years because people were trying to get me to change. Several people that would come out out of nowhere and. Or even audience members or, you know, would would just like, you're so funny. Maybe if you just do this, you'll bust out. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, you want me to sell my soul? Great. All right. Pass. You want me to erase my grandmother? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Next. You know, like.
1: Thanks for the advice. So uh, it's great to reconnect. I got to meet you and your beautiful family in the magical town of Yellow Spring, Ohio this summer as part of freaking Camp Chappelle. It it was amazing. I've got a t-shirt. I've got memories. (laughs) I've got... It really is like a summer camp.
2: I ended up I ended up going pretty crazy there I bought them bought a scooter and then three other motorcycles <laughs> and so somebody had an accident on my moped like they on my motorcycle and they hurt themselves pretty badly like they cracked their shoulder and
1: stuff oh wait wait so that that happened before I got on Michelle's moped and was like r- running around yeah so everybody was looking at you on there like not not Andrew oh that that's why everyone was scared shitless because I was like guys I'm an adult male like this isn't like uh, you know freaking Harley or something. Like it's going be all right. That's what you would think.
2: <laughs> That's what you would think. Next thing you know, parking uh, parking a scooter can fracture two of your shoulders. I still to this day don't know how he did it, but you know, I'm glad he's okay. Matthew, I'm sorry. I love you. I hope you're well.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, shout out to you, Matthew. Hope your shoulders are all right. I'm so glad that at least some people were documenting parts of uh, the camp experience. Cause I, you know, I know that that someone was working on a project for it. Uh and I can see exactly how you got addicted to buying two-wheeled vehicles there cuz it's summer, it's beautiful, you're just roaming around. Uh and so I see why you didn't stop at the moped. I defend you, Mo. I defend you and your three motorcycles uh on top of it.
2: I appreciate. I needed that. You know, I I was going really smart cuz I was like yeah, I haven't ridden motorcycles in at least 12 years. So let's get like a 120cc little scoot situation. Put a boombox that's almost bigger than the entire scooter itself on the back of it. Enjoy these, you know, cinematic... Beautiful.
1: Gorgeous. You go there, like, you know, you just look out. It's like Americana, cornfields, <laughs> like, sunshine. Uh, it, it was gorgeous.
2: I would pretend like I'm an American pickers. I would constantly, like stop and she's like, Oh, what is this item? This is antique from the forties. It was very nice. Like stop at a rusted filled farm or something. Like and I would attempt to buy some of their junk that's in the yard. That's like one of my favorite pastimes when I was just trying to decompress. It was so much fun. It was so much fun
1: so how did your wife feel about the purchases
2: this is a common question more common more common than i ever thought it would be yeah it's just like i don't i didn't really tell her I just did it. I was very smart about it, though. I was like a traditional Arab trader. I was like, I don't know, you know. I was really like checking out the market, what are the pricing?
1: Honey, I bought the death machine smart. I was a savvy death machine buyer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then she divorced me. You know, that's how that's how this all works out. You know,
1: uh, it's a very clear progression. Uh, you know, that that's why they have that uh, divorce lawyer office attached to the motorcycle dealing. now. <laughs> <laughs> I bet there's a few of them. (laughs) Dude, this is a billion-dollar business idea. That's why uh, I'm the entrepreneur. I've got a vision. Uh, You could attach all sorts of midlife crises services to the motorcycle dealership. It's like, what? You're here buying a bike? (laughs) Would you
2: like these brand-new overpriced sunglasses that make you look 30 years younger? That's how I justify my purchases. And, like, sunglasses... I have a, you know, you can't just buy regular sunglasses or else you just destroy them, throw them out. You won't respect them. You have to buy something of value that you have to care for them, especially if they have, like, resale value as well. Like, oh, no, I can't lose these. Where are these?
1: It makes you way more conscious of them. Well, I I think to me there's, like, a threshold where something becomes real. And uh, its reality often is commensurate to whatever you paid for it. You know, it's like if you buy, like, $5 sunglasses, they're not real, you can, like, lose them, sit on them, (laughs) like, throw them out, no one cares. Uh, But then as soon as you break through a certain investment threshold, uh, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is an actual item of mine that I associate with myself. (laughs) And it it says something about me and I take pride in, or whatever it is. What is that threshold for me? When does something become real? When does it become real? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, if it doesn't exist otherwise, like, bah, this is garbage. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know if you, like, I'm uh, campaigning for the special Senate candidates, and I was uh, getting some food for my family as one of those curbside pickup things, and so I stopped to park the car. There's an automated reader. Uh, and I was like, I don't know how long it's going to take me to pick up this food. So I stick the credit card in the reader and I'm just jamming in like add time, add time, add time. Because like, I was like, I don't, I don't want to calculate <laughs> like, like, the, like the 25 cent per eight minute threshold. I don't want to like cut it that close. Cause like you, who knows how long that like some of these, these places take, so, like, that that parking experience was, like, below my reality threshold. I was just like, like let's just make it so that I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have to deal with this for a minute. It's one reason I, I became so passionate about universal basic income. I mean, there are a lot of reasons. But uh, just, like, we're, we're now such a society of folks who are making that time-money trade-off all of the time. Uh, and I still do it, obviously. Um, though now the threshold has to be higher for me to say, like, okay, it's, it's going to be worth my cycles to try and save that quarter or whatever it is. With Helix, better sleep starts now. When I was a kid growing up the child of immigrants in this country, like a quarter was precious and I would go to the arcade and then play it and then just try and win for as long as possible. It's like that you had to like stretch the value of that quarter to a point where... Uh, you know, like you could entertain yourself all day on it.
2: I, 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 ideally, that Street Fighter game at the corner store before high school or after high school was like the one. You know, that's that's the game. If you can just make that quarter keep that,
1: that was it. That that was like our test of value as like a teenager. It's like if you can win, and then it became not only can you win, but can you win with an obscure character. It's like it's not enough to be good at Ryu or Guile and defend your quarter. But then eventually when you're like, I'm just going to screw around. I'm just going to choose Blanca. (laughs) Never choose Blanca. (laughs) Oh, my God. Never knew how to play with that guy. And then there'd be like this ooh from like the people being like he's choosing Blanca. It's like it's like a real expression of, <laughs> of, of of like confidence or cockiness. The ultimate cockiness was Dahal which is now that I reflect on it, a somewhat racist portrayal of like a Hindu warrior whose limbs stretched. <laughs> I love you know
2: how you about? just just like sat there for a second. Now that I think about it, just like <laughs> maybe it was a racist portrayal of just seeing this <laughs> kid. Like I saw the kid in you. Like. Now that I think about it, maybe maybe I shouldn't have played with that character at
1: all. Well, he was also awful as a character. You know, like he was like, the sure, the closest thing to a sure loss <laughs> was if you played with that guy. I, it could be that Moe and I are somewhat dating ourselves. It seems like you and I came of age around the same time. But I feel like even the kids know Street Fighter. I hope it's eternal. I hope it's one of those things.
2: Oh, I saw my nephews playing Street Fighter in Mortal Kombat just over Thanksgiving. Nice! Yes! But it was like... Wow, oh this is the Mortal Kombat. Y'all are growing up with that's pretty cool. <laughs> is it much better than ours? <laughs> it's so much better. The graphics are insane. Arguable. No, it depends. I actually like the classic. I mean, just seeing what they're dealing with, I mean, seeing the graphics, I kind of miss the the dodgy graphics and the, you know, and and seeing the pit of death, you know, like it's a little bit different. They're a little bit more gru- like really gruesome actually.
1: I am definitely old enough now where I look back on certain things as like the standard of the golden years, you know what I mean? Like the, like, um, 90s video games, uh, 80s and 90s music, like, uh, it comes on, I'm like, oh, it doesn't make, no, they don't make this like they used to.
2: <laughs> You're reminding me of a joke, uh, an amazing comedian, uh, Jack Mayberry. He's like, you ever ride around, uh, uh, with somebody old that always tell you where things didn't used to be, you know? You just be sitting there going see that there it wasn't there all the way from there all the way to whoa, over there that wasn't there either hey look at that that wasn't there that wasn't there from all the way from there to all the way to whoa, over there <laughs> it wasn't there hell it was hell it was just dark there's nothing out here you know it's is so fun. that's what you're reminding me of right now
1: that's actually a reasonable summation of what's gone wrong with the country which is that like it really is uh hey we need to change things versus no let's stay the same uh like have the same rules for ever uh, and then we don't really have the capacity to actually change some of these institutions.
2: Explain that for uh,
1: a... lot of people are upset over the fact that uh, the Electoral College and the popular vote aren't lining up terribly well. Um, so you have folks who want to get rid of the Electoral College. Uh, but in order to get rid of the Electoral College, you would need a supermajority of states to get on board with that. And like, there's zero chance that Kansas and Nebraska are going to be like, you're right, <laughs> like, we shouldn't have this much say. <laughs> so it's one of those things where you look at and be like, look, th- this is not changing in the way that uh, some people are arguing in any realistic fashion as long as you have um, that standard. There are, there are a lot of things that right now we're having, a tru- we're having trouble shifting because there's really no consensus or no governing majority. Uh, And and it's something that makes me very sad. It's why I'm in Georgia, honestly, is that uh, I hoped that we would have a government that could actually address some of the big problems coming into 2021, because we've got major problems. Uh, And instead, it it looks like we're going to struggle with a degree of gridlock and dysfunction for the foreseeable. Uh, And and so you have this framework that's set up that, that says what you can do. And you can't change it unless you had, let's let's call it a supermajority. Let's call it 60 senators or whatever it is in the current rules. Uh, and, and so the frustration is setting in on both sides. We're having increasingly incoherent conversations about it. Uh, and it makes me very sad.
2: It makes me very sad, too. Like I, I told you in the beginning of this conversation, I mean, you were the first campaign that I ever... Vote. I mean, like, I, not only did I want to vote for you, but I contributed to.
1: Oh, thank you.
2: Yes, I'm telling you, man. Look, as a as as a as a as an Arab American, as a Palestinian background specifically, and also like sees through, has seen so much bullshit throughout my lifetime, um, and seen what my family has gone through, my parents have gone through, and seeing you know uh, global politics, Middle Eastern politics, European politics, traveling the world. And just and just like you, just you were so logical about everything. Everything that you said, I was like, yeah, we should move inland. Yes, we we all, we all. Why are we still? on the coast waiting to drown i don't know why we're doing this we should definitely move inland everybody should you know get paid for the data that they keep sucking from us these corporations keep sucking from yes that makes perfect sense of course they don't want you to win you know like that's how i feel oh you 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 want to help people actually you actually want to cancel poverty cancel poverty yes I knew that's what the shirt said because I'm a fan, like I'm a real fan, oh, thank and all you. my friends I grew up with are all fans. Like I grew up in a neighborhood in A Leaf, uh, which I revere, you know, and, and, and that's the that's the that's the place that raised me, man. It's like I love that place so much. It's such a diverse community there. I mean, my friends that I grew up with, Sargon is half white, half Iraqi. Vinny is uh, Italian background. Who's a uh, who's, uh, uh, flight director at NASA Like absolutely killing it Sargon's wow. killing it uh, Guillermo uh, who's you know uh, Half he's Argentinian Excuse me um, And having John who's also Argentinian And, and Nick who's half Iranian half white and, and Neil who comes from Indian background And Akash who comes from Indian background These, these are my brothers that I grew up with And we all
1: talk about you Oh wow! Well, thank them for me. Look at that! I got to meet these guys.
2: In our mindsets, like man, you're the guy. You're like you make the most sense. Everything you say is so logical. Everything is just fixes and resolves these issues. <laughs> like, and we all know it's like this is. They're not gonna let them win. There's like no way. It's just too easy. And I'm sorry to say, like that's how I. That's how I think. Uh,
1: there are millions of Americans who thought the exact same way. Uh, and it turns out they were onto something.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then the pandemic happens. We're like, let's just send everybody money. It's like, oh, word is that what we're gonna do? We're so broke, guys. We're twenty trillion minus. But uh, whenever we need it, because I don't, I don't, I think the I think like the stock market is not real. Like I still to this day haven't had anybody like truly explain it to me where I walk away and I feel like, oh, that makes sense. You know, this is all really. Like, no matter what. And I know guys in investment banking and, like, in high-up positions at the, in uh, in New York and in these major banks and whatnot. And I always walk away like, he just really knows.
1: He just really believes
2: this bullshit.
1: He's <laughs> just like... You have a brilliant routine on this that I saw in uh, Ohio. Uh, and I still have your t-shirt that I wear very proudly where it has, like, the the Ponzi. <laughs> the, the, like, the E Pluribus Udub uh, as... Ponzi and uh your riff on it was genius uh you know like I was watching it happen and thought I haven't seen anything like this before uh and it's awesome uh you know I I imagine it may end up being part of uh, your next special or your next piece of work yeah hopefully yeah it will That's EXPRESSVPN.com slash Yang. Go to expressvpn.com slash Yang to learn more. So, are you, I'm just going to guess, um, like, are you in Texas right now? Yeah, no, I am. I'm from
2: Houston so i was uh you know I'm, I'm, you know we haven't gone public with this stuff but i i i'm writing a tv show currently i'll just be i'll just be really vague i'm writing a tv show right now uh well i you know I, I was in a full-blown writing room and it was just exhausted so dave invited me to ohio to do these shows and was like hey man you know i've just i was going from my bedroom to my office and the absolute mindfuck of writing a show is on top of a pandemic, civil unrest, uh, you know, of course, with Big Floyd and, and then Brianna and then everything that was going on globally. And then aliens are real. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about that. Just like brushed <laughs> over like there's nothing. Yeah, aliens are real. Let's go back uh,
1: to pandemic. I was totally going to share the reality of aliens as your president.
2: Uh- <laughs> I, was, I, I, I constantly try to get Vinny to admit it. I'm like, hey, man, you're a flight director now, so you must know some shit. Come on, <laughs> tell us. And he's like, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. It was like, but you know, like things like that. So I was just, I was, uh, so Dave invited me to go out there. And then after the shows were finished, uh, I came back to Houston and, uh, or Texas. And I just love it here, man. This is always be my home. Uh, I think, um, I think that a lot of, uh, celebrities that end up making it and doing well for themselves, for some reason just gravitate to want to be in New York all the time or LA all the time. And I think there's nothing better. You know, I'm more of like the Dave model. He is that model for like keeping your your sanity. Honestly, like just going, doing your job, going on tour, getting the deals, and then going to a place where, <clears throat> excuse me, it keeps you grounded and it keeps you in touch with that reality. The the people that really care about you and been there for you, and and you get to share it with them. That's really more valuable than anything else to me. So I, I've been very conscious of that. That whenever I get the opportunity to do things on a really our skill like i'm doing now um is just like th- the more important it is for me to highlight a leaf and to show how special this neighborhood i mean there are 80 different languages spoken in this language i mean in the in this neighborhood it's pretty incredible it's one of the most diverse places i've ever been on earth no joke like i'm not just saying that it's just um it's just a great spot so it's a great place and a great place to raise your kids and be around and there's something in the water there. Like Lizzo came out of there, and Beyonce came out of there, and Richard Lewis, and all these like I think Megan Thee Stallion, like all these great artists. Toby Nwigwi, who's really popping off right now. Yeah, Toby was there in uh, in Ohio. He's such a family guy. He brought his two kids and his and uh, Linnell has two kids, and then he brought his friends and their kids. They had like third, they had seven children in this van.
1: Well, I remember it was freaking kid fest. I hadn't had an experience like. Um, Ohio in years where I was just like a human being walking around Uh, you know we'd all been tested so there was like uh, like you didn't have to mask up and socially distance you could just have a normal conversation Uh, and uh, I loved it I mean you know like I was there for Dave's birthday and it it felt like I was getting the gift honestly I mean that's the the beauty of Dave is that uh, you know it's like Uh, Like, we all get (laughs) more than we give, you know, if he says that, it's like, hey, come on out. It's like a gift to us. Uh, uh, But just standing there like a human being, having, like, Toby, and like, coming with his kids and, like, holding them and playing with them and just, like, hanging out at Donnell's and eating his food uh, and and being, like, a normal human was uh, beautiful. It's like a beautiful experience that I hadn't had in, you know, certainly months, probably years. It's
2: so weird. You step out of it, and the world's like ah. You step back in. It's quiet. You're like oh, how he did it was was really impressive. I mean, he set the standard. It's kind of sad that a standup comedian can show you how it's done, and and the entire government's like, we don't know. Like, I don't. Just stay home. I don't know. Like it's always like maybe two weeks two out. okay seven months <laughs> like
1: what the uh deficiencies around treatment tr- treating the pandemic we had a window of time where i think you could have had a uh, consistent message and done some good um but you know I, I i think that people at this point seven eight months in like it's a lot harder to get everyone on board with something uh, and we just didn't have the Uh, People in place. And when I say people, I mean like the the human beings, the staffers, who would literally meet with you when you got off the plane uh, or would uh, trace any contacts you had if you did wind up um, interacting with someone.
2: We went and did shows in Dubai at the end of October. Dubai Comedy Festival, 50% capacity. They're like at least getting it back up again. Amazing show at the Dubai Opera it was a it was a you know it was a like a, a breath of fresh air um to just go and actually feel like things are normal um and so when we, we had to have a test before you get into dubai within a certain period of time you have to have a negative COVID test you hand them the COVID test you go in you get you know temperature checked and they go through they ask you some questions about You know pandemic questions and you go through them no 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 okay good give me your test bam you're over you go to the hotel they ask you the thing again they check your temperature everything is very diligent they created jobs for things that you didn't think you needed. Like, you know, making sure they clean up after you immediately at any table you're at. Or, you know, if you're if you're at the, the lounge, they created a job for somebody to just hand you food. Like, that's what their job is now. They're always masked up. They're the only person handling everything. Uh, everything that you can think of that would be required and things you never thought you'd think of, they did it. At malls, there's partitions everywhere. Plastic partitions. There, I mean, it's so detail oriented everything right coming back to the states we all got COVID tested we're like hey do we, we need to give you a COVID test they're like oh no you're fine i was like what do you mean we're fine they're like you don't need one coming back to america i'm like what do you mean you don't need one coming back to america they're like where are you flying to i was like we're flying into chicago and they go oh, only boston requires you to have a COVID. We're like what excuse me like okay well at least we did it you know at least we just were responsible enough just to do it you know and take the time out and pay for such a test so anyway we got it done we land i have global entry so you don't even have to see anybody you just scan your passport it prints out your your receipt and you leave well i'm masked up i'm like my picture is just like this, you can't see. You can't, I'm wearing glasses. You can't even see it's me. Nobody even checked, and, and and nobody even checked to see if much less my temperature. Nobody checked my temperature. Nobody i like properly identified me. It could have been my sister entering on my passport.
1: There's a reason why other countries won't take Americans going that direction, uh, but this direction, it's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like at, at, at this point, it's like, you can't be bringing it in and be making it worse at this point. Like really like uh, the rest of the world is trying to contain us.
2: It's mind blowing. We went into the lounge in Chicago, Uh, no temperature checks. Uh, the buffets touch everything you want, so there's not anybody <laughs> designated to hand you shit. The tables didn't look like—I mean, like they were—they were okay. They didn't look like somebody. They had a sheen to it, like somebody just cleaned it. We got up, and then they just grab the stuff and throw it out. They're not being sprayed down. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It was a—it com- was night and day in the truest sense it was night and day you felt so safe being in dubai you felt like they really truly had it under control they had mass laws in place where if you weren't wearing a mask did you say mask laws yeah they did they had mass laws in place like hey if you don't wear if you don't wear a mask after like a warning you're gonna get ticketed
1: if you don't you know if you get covid dude in america you know this because you're from texas if you did that like, uh, a gunfight would ensue shortly thereafter. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: But would they be wearing masks during that gunfight? That's all that matters. <laughs> I saw a lot of people already getting vaccinated in the Emirates as well, which really blew me away. Uh, some friends of mine that are online, like I saw Habib, The great MMA fighter getting vaccinated. I'm like, yo, you are you. They're killing it over there already. And by the way, I'm not a big vaccine guy. Like I'm always suspicious. All I needed to do was like read one article in the '90s about people that were getting vaccines in Africa that were injected with HIV virus. I'm like, okay, I'm never, I'm never gonna get a vaccine ever again. (laughs) Like I'm never,
1: I'm never gonna do it. Uh, So you go there and um, and 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 the experience you have is a little bit like what i what I think my parents are experiencing so my mom was here we said you should probably leave the country because it's probably safer someplace else because you know she's in her 70s uh and so she's in taiwan and things are perfectly normal there they had something like 10 cases like in the beginning and then that was that was a wrap uh and if you, if you go there because it's an island you know they can manage it uh and uh they did manage it uh and so there's like a very very high degree of uh, cohesion and public trust. Uh, and now we're a little bit envious. We're like, well, we sent her away for her safety, and now she's just, you know, like hanging out, having. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like, la- hey, like on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the rest of it. We're like, what the heck is going on here? Maybe we should have gone there for our safety. <laughs>
2: I'm headed to Taiwan, Mama. Here I come. <laughs> I just show up. Who the hell's this burly Arab guy?
1: <laughs> my mom's actually very sweet. We 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 actually did use we used to send send her my friends, and she was always fantastic with <laughs> them. It was one of those situations where if you're going to Taiwan, I'd be like, hey, like uh, you know, my mom will take care of you, and then I'm like, hey, mom, I am a friend coming, and then my mom would show up and be very sweet and. Uh, they would fall in love with her and, and whatnot. So I grew up. I told you I grew up in a salad bowl
2: of, of many ethnic backgrounds. Like and and I can relate to it. As somebody who has tons of family back home, that's the thing. Like and if I always tell them, hey man, if you are going there, I got you. Just let me know, and they always take care of them. You know, my cu- It's like it's a it's a it's a trust. You know, it's like this trust between us. That it's like oh we have when you have a visitor, it's it's a big deal. It's a big deal to us within our culture and even our religion in Islam like it's a big big deal. Like if if any Muslim for instance like just shows up and be like take care of me from out of town, you're obligated to do it for 3 days. Like you can just do that. That's an awesome rule. So it's like it's just culturally ingrained in us. It's not something that we have to like try to do. We actually love it and then we fight over how much you can take care of this like we will just, you know what I mean? Like we'll feed you to
1: death. We will take care of you. We'll show you the sites. It's like part. It's just part of a, who we are. I do want to revisit um, what you said about vaccines for a sec. I, I think that we're going to need to have this COVID vaccine widely distributed and mi- administered um, because if you wind up with like a hodgepodge, it's it's never ending. Really, like there, there has to be a point. And sure, there are going to be a lot of people that have reservations and skepticism and don't want to be the first person. And the rest of it, totally. <laughs> you know, like, Look, I'll totally do reasonable. it. I just
2: need to see few people how they work out. You know what I
1: mean? I, I think there are going to be a lot of people with that attitude. Um, uh, and so, but so someone asked me um, whether I'd be one of the first to get it, and I, I said yes because I know that if I get it, uh, other people will um, trust it more. Um, and and I I'd, I'd feel I'd feel uh, happy to do that you know like I I think that the the COVID vaccine uh, I don't see uh, the risk outweighing the reward in virtually any scenario uh, you know what I mean like uh, uh, like I, I think that if you get this vaccine you'll probably feel shitty for a few days and then that'll be that. <laughs> Look, Andrew,
2: you take it specifically because to me, you're the guy I trust the most on that side of the. I really do, man. I just like have a lot of trust in you and like just everything you say. Like I said before, and I'd be happy for you to be my lab rat. I,
1: Andrew Yang, willing lab rat, inject this shoulder, not the throwing shoulder. I mean, it means a lot to hear you say that, Mo. I mean, that's one reason why I would do it. I'm telling Uh, you,
2: I would never. I've. I would never. Contribute to any, like I always saw through the bullshit. I never, you know, I don't like to contribute to any political thing. I just like, even if I sniff a little something, I'm like, no, you know, this is bullshit. I contribute to you. So I, I would completely trust if you took the vaccine. And uh, I would be like, yo, is it you good? I would call you a couple days later. Hey, how you feeling, bro? You, you feel all right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you feeling all right, buddy? Uh, how's the temperature? Uh, is, is it working out? Can you still walk? Uh, any pains? And then
1: there'd be like a, a robot voice of me being like, yes, I feel great. <laughs> I feel wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Andrew? Oh, no. <laughs> I think there are some of these things where uh, you could use more data. Like if you get more data, that would be very beneficial. Uh, but if the data is sound uh, and folks I trust, uh, you know, who are scientists are on board, then, uh, you know, like uh, I'm on board. And the, the, the tough truth of it is that the mistrust in the United States is sky high at this point. I, there was one point when I was trying to figure out, I was like, who are the most trusted figures in American life? <laughs> like who? If they were like, I'll do this thing, then everyone's like, OK, that's cool. And so I tried to make this list. I certainly think Dave's on that list. Uh, um, I, You know, I'm going to throw out Tom Hanks and Oprah uh, for fun.
2: I don't trust Oprah. I trust Tom. I trust Hanks. All right. You know, you can't get them all. I can't. No, I, 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 Tom's on my
1: list. Michelle Obama, I think, would be on a lot of people's list. All right. Don't <laughs> no comment from Mo on that one. Moving on. I'll no, take dude, Michelle should, over
2: Obama. I know it's fucked up to say, but I would I would take Michelle over. I trust I
1: trust Michelle more than I do. Obama. Dude, we should do this as like a number 1 draft pick, like an NBA fantasy draft or like the trust draft. It's like my most trusted human being in American life, like number 1 draft pick. Dave Chappelle, and everyone's like, "Yeah."
2: <laughs> I trust else. Dave big time because he's really skeptical of everything, just like I am. So I really trust him on that. So if he's doing something, I'd be like, yo, I think he, he's vetted this for real. And then I would, I trust John Stewart. You're on my list. Wow. Put you three on the list. No no particular order. Michelle is interesting. I didn't think about Michelle Obama. I'd, I'd put Obama, Michelle Obama on the list, too. Uh, who's my fifth? I wouldn't put Tom Hanks on my fifth. I mean, I love Tom Hanks. It's funny, like, I don't usually trust Toms, but Tom, Hanks is the only Tom I would trust. Uh, I don't know who the fifth
1: would be. I'm gonna throw some folks out there that would be more institutional, more kind of the folks that, like, a newspaper would be like, oh, we should uh, trust this person. <laughs> Actually, even if the government were to come together, this is a really interesting exercise No, Let's think this about this, all right. So, you're the United States of America. And you're like, okay, we've got this COVID vaccine. We have to have people like and trust it at you home. Know? So we need to stick some folks and then have them be like, it's cool. So then if you are the United States government and you're trying to figure out who you can ask whether they'll get on board with this. Someone just popped into my mind, LeBron James. That would be like a very big deal.
2: I would get Hank Williams on there. <laughs> Hank Williams Jr. to make sure that I get everybody in the middle. You know what I mean
1: So here were the establishment figures that I originally thought of that um, I'm just going to throw out there because I thought of them, whatever. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. No. No.
2: <laughs> Immediately, they're too rich. I'm a tough one to crack, bro. I'm like, not. Nah, I don't just go
1: with nah. If you were to say to the population, being like, hey, we want you to get vaccinated... Um, one thing that stands to reason is you'd want people who are at least tending toward the at-risk category to get vaccinated because they're the highest danger of, uh, you know, um, having serious complications. And so you would probably ask all the senators, hey, like, you up for this? And then the senators have to look up and be like, yes, I am, or no, I'm not. And I, I dare say that that would probably fall somewhat along party lines, unfortunately. I'm just guessing.
2: If I saw all the senators get the vaccine and I saw everybody in government, like, live feed, C-SPAN, everyone's, I gotta have, and I gotta have somebody I trust on the inside there sitting there, like, like, you're sitting there, like, I, I confirm that this is, in fact, the vaccine. They life.
1: don't, they don't have, like, a latex, like, sleeve where they're getting, like, you know, like, like, I, like, touch the flesh and I'm, like, it's going into, <laughs> it's going into flesh.
2: It's not a fake needle that's just like disappearing when you put it in there. No, no, no. I want to see all this. That's how I am, though, man. I need this, and I feel like a lot
1: of Americans feel this way too. Oh, a lot, a lot of Americans will totally. How how sad is that that this is the
2: weird the United States of America, the number one <laughs> supposedly on Earth in everything. That's what people, that's, the, that's what everybody feels like, even though we're like.
1: We're number twenty-eight. <laughs> we're, we're, we're we're number twenty-eight. If you have like, if you combine our um, social measurements and well-being around things like infant mortality, clean water, public education. Oh, public um,
2: education is the most disgusting thing. I remember just like leaving when we fled the war in Kuwait in ninety, and ended up in Houston, and I was going to a private school there, and ended up in public school here, and fourth grade was still like. Two plus two equals four apples! Yay! I'm looking around. You know, I was learning already multiple languages in elementary, and basically almost doing pre-algebra in fourth grade to go to the States. I was like, what is this? Oh, I don't even have to study. This is ever. Like, I never brought a book home. I never, ever, my mom's like, how did you graduate? I was like, ma, it's a joke. The whole thing is a giant joke. You just have to like (laughs) memorize certain pages and then regurgitate them on test day and you're fine. And I failed ninth grade. Like I skipped everything and caught up in no time. I had a ball. I lived like Ferris Bueller's day off all of ninth grade. I just, my father passed away and I just quit on everything. I was going to baseball games. You know, I was just, I was doing everything. I was going to. Places I shouldn't be going. I was sneaking into casinos in Louisiana. I was just having a ball. Uh, And then I later discovered that will take me nowhere really fast. So then I readjusted. One of my teachers changed my life and got me to do stand-up in class because that's what I always wanted to do. And and I've been doing stand-up ever since I was 14, since then. But anyway, the point is the education system is
1: just a joke. Thank goodness for that teacher. I mean, that story where she said, look, I'll let you pass if you stand up and do stand up for the class how many teachers would have done that uh so let's thank that teacher miss reed i've tried to reach
2: out to her so many times i can't find her i'm trying to she doesn't she doesn't open she hasn't opened her facebook since 2015 or something
1: she's not on twitter come on miss reed i mean she changed your life she probably changed other people's lives too i mean any teacher who'd let the let a kid actually take class time to practice their comedy and then give them a passing grade
2: Oh, and then she and then she like literally took me to uh, after I did several several uh, sets in her class over a few weeks. She took me over to theater arts department and she was like, "This kid's been coming in doing original content and doing all these different accents and stuff." I, I think he, uh, I think he belongs here. And then next thing you know, I was in theater and uh, uh, you know getting lead roles in musical plays, in musical theater, and, and, and just getting lead roles all the way around, making UIL. I ended up getting a partial scholarship to go to the NYU School of Film and Television. Uh, I didn't take it. I stayed, uh, I stayed. I had to stay home and take care of the family, help contribute and work and, uh, and do stand-up. And I was like, I'm gonna be a comedian anyway, so I'm, I'm doing stand-up anyway. Why do I need to go do that? Which I never, none of my family even knew I had that. I didn't even tell anybody because I was afraid that anybody would encourage me to go. And I knew that 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 wouldn't be good for my mom and my brother. I was like, I had to stay behind.
1: Wow. That's like a freaking movie plot, being like, you know, they they didn't know that he had the scholarship in his back pocket. I mean, you are a very, very dramatic example, Mo. uh, But studies have shown that arts education uh, and theater are some of the best things for kids' long-term success in life and academic performance, even. Um, and it's terrible that if a school budget gets tight, a lot of the time that's like the first stuff they cut. Because they're like, oh, this stuff's a luxury. But it turns out that those are difference makers for kids in a way that a lot of the other stuff um, is not. So uh, so your teacher was on something. Uh, and thank goodness that, there, that she was there and that there was a theater program for you. Um, because those theater programs... You know, I'm going to out someone. If you're a part of the Yang Gang, you know... Uh, Zach Grauman, my uh, campaign manager, the tall, handsome blonde dude who uh um helped uh make everything happen, and he was like a music theater geek uh at a certain point. He was like one of those like kind of uh um stars of the high school play kind of thing um like th- like that that stuff really makes a big difference like i uh, I think that you end up with like a very different sense of yourself and confidence and ability to get up and express ideas uh, not that everyone can become a world famous comedian like you are uh, you know I mean because uh, you know but uh, like someone like Zach who has done great things in his career he started a non he's done like all sorts of stuff uh, I, I genuinely think that drama theater and the arts at a young age are, are, are part of the secret sauce
2: no I agree I couldn't I couldn't I'm telling you it saved my life it really did not only did it like um, Shape me is who I am today, but it really, really gave me something to look forward to and this excitement that I just it, I, I can't it's hard to put it put it into even into words. Um, I get really like emotional about it, and it feels like so long ago uh, that she did that, and she really just changed my life. And the people that I met in that department and what did they end up doing? They all became pretty successful and doing well for themselves. It's just inspiring to, to do that, and, and you're right. It gives you great, you know, really valuable life skills as well to be able to speak in front of anybody, social skills as well, uh, camaraderie, and also to to do something as a as a great, you know, uh, a great play, for instance, to execute it on a high level and and to do it during UIL or competition, and to see the reaction, and 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 then you see like this, you know, five hundred year old Shakespearean play come to life. This many years later, and still be as potent and it was in his day. There's something really, really incredible about that. To tell you that you can create timeless pieces of art, and and that was exciting as well. And and also tapping into uh, skills that I didn't even know I had. You know, which is like you know singing theatrically. I could do that. I'm like, oh wow, I didn't know I could do that. That's really cool.
1: I was in my high school play, uh, not the lead at all, <laughs> but. but- um, uh, but like, there were like the cast parties and all of that other stuff. And then like, you know, cause you came together, you created something and then you come together and you're, you're kind of bonded. Uh, it, it's a, it's a beautiful, um, environment. Uh, and as an entrepreneur now, it's like that kind of thing happens, uh, in business, in enterprise, in politics. It's like the folks who are on my team now, uh, you know, like we all, um went through something special and so we're connected. I know you and the other comedians are like super connected because you freaking hang out on the road and like you get out there in front of folks. I mean, heck You know, you went to Dubai, you probably went with a bunch of other folks. I got Michelle to come with me, Michelle Wolf.
2: Not Obama, but Michelle Wolf. Uh, We went out there and had a great time. It was her first time there and it was really funny, you know, because people have these like projections about going to the Middle East or specifically just talk about the Emirates. And she was just being just respectful and caring as as somebody would when you're visiting their country, right? Not really judgmental, it's more so, I don't want to be disrespectful. And uh, and when we got there, well, when we are on the flight there, actually, she goes, hey, I bought a bunch of outfits that are, you know, it's not like Michelle doesn't dress modestly anyway. But she was like, I need to,
1: you know, I got some nice, modest outfit. I got some really conservative granny type shit. <laughs>
2: I I, if I was drinking water, I would have spat on her face because I was laughing so hard. I was just like, just, and she goes, what are you laughing at? I was like, just. Just, just wait. <laughs> and like the first restaurant we went to, there was like two women sitting there with, and they were just like, you know, Miami. You know, let's just put it that way. <laughs> and she just dies laughing. I'm like, you feel better. <laughs> you feel better now. And and it's something that she would never wear. You know. So it just people have these like projections about that area. Even some comedians, really big comedians like oh i don't know about performing there i mean chop my head i'm like what are you talking about like we do all the chopping what are you talking about do you understand that we're the ones that destroyed that entire region i mean like can we just please acknowledge that can we take some responsibility for that and and they have these like projections on on what it is and what it's like and what they've been fed about what the middle east is and and it's, it's just it makes me really sad it makes me laugh and sad you know what I mean like something that makes you laugh so and sad. cry yeah for sure yeah it's one of those things like come on guys like you, you stop eating this it's it's not good for you. This is they're not feeding you soul
1: food here. I thought it was fascinating that you're I think the first Arab American comedian to perform for the troops who were stationed in the Middle East. So you're going over there being like, hey guys, <laughs> I was a refugee
2: still. I didn't even have my US citizenship. I could have just disappeared in the middle of the night. Nobody would have cared. It just like I straight I didn't have anything, any documentation. I like snuck into Kuwait to get in, to go to Iraq, to do it, and it was the first time that I went back, because I felt like I had to reconcile a lot in my heart about like how fast we left, and I just thought how incredible it would be to go perform there, and, and it was uh, not necessarily it was just like, oh, I want to go just perform for the troops. It was more so, like, if I could perform in front of them and be myself and be really my authentic self, um, then I could perform anywhere, and then I have no... Uh, no reservations about about doing shows or, or being me. You know, imagine imagine a scenario yeah. where you're afraid to be yourself. That's how depressing is that? Or where a career coming up is like, oh, you're Palestinian Muslim. Oh Arab. Oh 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 oh. Why don't you just go by Tony and just be Italian? I'm like, what are you talking about? You want me to erase my
1: lineage? You you know what you, you know what that suggestion is, Mo. That's a pro wrestling suggestion. You show up, and then Vince McMahon's like, and we're gonna call you, uh, Vinny da Vici, <laughs> like, like or whatever it is.
2: This is not what I'm doing here. Like, it's a, to me, stand up comedy is the most authentic art form, and the more personal you are, the funnier you are, and and the more you stick out. and And it was just like, wow, I couldn't believe this was. A regular i mean it really wore on me for some years because people were trying to get me to change several people that would come out out of nowhere and or even audience members or you know would would just like you're so funny maybe if you just do this you'll bust out you know what i mean i'm like oh you want me to sell my
1: soul great all right
2: pass you want me to erase my grandmother thank you so much i appreciate it next you know like I, yeah, thanks
1: for the advice asshole who just had three beers i mean you you immigrated from um Kuwait, when you were nine, right, you, Like showed up here in the States and you left pretty quickly. So going back must have been a real uh, arc because if you're nine, you remember stuff, you know? Like you, you, you must Oh, have I remembered stuff.
2: everything. I remember the street that we lived on. I was giving directions to the driver. I was telling him where to go. And I, I remembered everything. I have a really uh, clear photographic memory for things. Um, and I just remember scenes and, and just like I have this this uh this reel in my head of all the good times the bad times and the you know the extreme times and it was just something that it just it was the last time that i ever had like a semblance of family like real family where we're just like my uncle's down the street my cousins are over here my friends are out there like you can just walk outside and play for hours that's
1: a beautiful vibe we we all dream about that you like go outside and then go across the street and then they're they're like um you know, friends or family that you can just play with and, like, parents don't care and just know you're going to be safe?
2: Yeah, it's none of that. Like, the biggest crime that I remember when I was there, somebody broke, and this was, like, front-page news, was that somebody broke into uh, somebody's house and they stole the jewelry from their freezer. And that was, like, literally front-page news. (gasps) Oh, my God, you see this? You know, I I would leave when I was, my mom was like, ever since you were a kid, things like, what the heck? Like, ever since you were a little kid, your ass was
1: always itchy. You had to be out. You know you would leave I was five years old I would leave his walkout i've got I've got a five year old eight year old and an my five year old just walked out the door like there'd be like a super freak out'd <laughs> be like, "Where is he <laughs> and then my wife Evelyn and I would be like, "It's your fault." <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I I would be the kid. I would come back with a sandwich. What's, what were you guys fighting about? Like eight hours later. Like, literally, that's what I was. My mom would say, I would You would leave from like noon, and you'd like, or before noon, you would go out, you'd play soccer, you'd, you'd just be gone, and you would come back like after dinner. You're like, Where have you been? <laughs> you know, you really miss that, and you come to the States, and you know, like, we're really sheltered over there. The innocence
1: is preserved. Is really preserved. Well, one of the things that has blown my mind about American kids programming is there is so much shit warning you about strangers. It is incredible. It's like they really just try and cram that mistrust in kind of early. They're like stranger danger. Someone talks to you. Also hypersexualized too. Which
2: is like when I first came here, it was like uh, it was the end of fourth grade. We moved in this new apartment complex, and I just met this kid. Like I don't know. My mom doesn't. Nobody knows. Like what's going like. We don't know what the culture is like fully; like, we, there's a huge gap missing, right? And so my friends like, ah, "My dad's gone. Uh, we can go look at his Playboy." And I was thinking, like in my head, I was like, "Oh, it must be like some toy magazine."
1: you know playboy why not <laughs> i was like oh cool let's
2: go check out the playboy and i literally screamed when he opened it you know i screamed
1: <laughs> <laughs> they should definitely make uh, movie or TV show or a series about your life, Mo. And it sounds like that might be happening, not to put pressure on you about The Secret Project. So you have the comedy special on Netflix. Vagabond, if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. You all have Netflix, uh, so check it out if you haven't seen it. You're working on The Super Secret Show. Um, are, are there other things that you're working on that you can share that uh, that or ways that people can check you out?
2: Uh, well, I'm on, I'm on the, you know, aside from The Vagabond, of course, I'm very proud of on Netflix. Uh, make sure you listen through all through the credits uh black thought uh from the roots and Stro elliott from the roots made that song and also there's like some great pictures of me performing for u.s troops it's just a little bit to to get to know me a little bit better even uh so just watch that through i know how netflix is i'm on uh the the hit show rami on hulu oh,
1: yeah hulu freaking how did i miss that oh my gosh yeah uh it,
2: it's it's so much fun doing that show with the fellas uh, such a fun fun show um, and so we're doing that we're gearing up for season three i there is a show about my life that's gearing up you're right Andrew it's happening I've been working really hard and and waiting for this opportunity for the last 21 years so it's really thrilling to do so and another stand-up special is in the works as well so uh anything you need from me ever we need you as the next president of the United States or at very least in that cabinet you know truly I truly believe in checks and balances if you're there I truly believe in that.
1: Thanks, Mo. I'm going to make you believe in... You know this vaccine and maybe some other things if i get it you can just call me and i'll let you know what's up i'm so excited for you mo that just like you have so much going on you're so prolific which like i i knew some of but not all of yeah like on every quality streamer too look at that it's like you know know,
2: spreading it around baby spreading around
1: (laughs) well well please say hello to your family and our mutual friends um and uh yeah like i really appreciate the support and this was fun this is a pleasure i knew it would be It was really, really a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me.